this promise we have in Jesus, the crown and being in his presence is not just for those who died this past year, but for all who have fallen asleep in the Lord. It's why we always look at this piece from Revelation 7 where it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white, white robes and were holding palm branches in their head. Remember, John isn't told this, but sees it with his own eyes. And he could tell that they were one, one by what they were wearing, one by what they had received, but they were still different, every nation, tribe, people, and language. And I love this, and I've said this before, it's because when we get there, we will know each other. We will look and we will remember and we will see those whom we have lost. And we will look and we will see with our own eyes the Lamb at the center of the throne, Jesus Christ. All those gathered cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, that He is the source of salvation and no one else, not earned, but given in Jesus. All the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fall down on their faces before the throne, worshiping God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor, power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Seven praises of completeness, of victory, of salvation, of everything. Angels, living creatures, you and I, all of us, praising. Then one of the elders asked, these in the robes, who are they? Where did they come from? John answered, sir, you know. And the elder said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If it is a multitude that is beyond counting from every people, we can assume that this isn't some moment of time, but that these, these in the white robes struggled. And since the fall of man, each one of us has been struggling against sin. I've struggled to live in that faith and love of our Lord Jesus that unites us together. And here we are promised, whether in the past or in the future or now, we all wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. And that is why, therefore, we are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter us with his presence. Never again will we hunger, never again will we thirst. The sun will not beat down on us, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd. And he will lead us to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That is the promise. A promise that redefines how we approach death redefines how we live in hope, in confidence, redefines how we look at one another in our relationship, and it redefines our priorities. In our Word of the Lord Grows series, we are looking at Paul's letter to the Thessalonians after Paul speaks about how we will be together, whether we are alive or dead. He addresses this issue of Christ's second and final return. And when we speak of death, when we hear of wars, it's only natural to wonder, is the return coming? Is this the end? Is Jesus coming back? What should we be looking for? What should we be doing? Should we keep on hoping? And so Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. 
as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when we break this down with this phrase that Paul quotes, this Old Testament idea here about now brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write you, for you know that the day of the Lord will come. The idea here is that this is God's time. All time is God's time. He is in control. Our Lord Jesus, who we confess as Savior and speak it in the creed, say that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him and he will come again. And while it may seem like we are in control on the day of the Lord, that is it. For that is the day when God intervenes once and for all in history, enters in to judge his enemies, to deliver us, his people, and to establish his kingdom for all eternity. The day of the Lord is fulfilled with Jesus judging the earth and returning in glory at his second coming. And the people of Thessalonica, they knew this. They had been taught this. They knew that they couldn't know the day of Jesus' return. That day would always remain unknown and come as a surprise as a thief in the night because a thief doesn't announce the exact time of his arrival. But they wanted more details because of all the death that was going on, all the persecution that they were uh, facing. And they had been waiting and waiting. And they wanted to know, is it soon? How much longer till he comes back? Perhaps some had been thinking that the idea that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night means that, well, I guess, what are we, just not supposed to know anything? Can't God give us a glimpse of the future? So Paul writes to them and says, even though the day can't be known and what's going to come, when it happens, it will be unexpected. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be watching. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be prepared. Paul doesn't set dates in regard to prophecy, nor did Jesus in Matthew 24. The day needs to be unexpected. But the people, the people must be prepared for the unexpected. And so using this metaphor in a preg- of a pregnant woman in labor, how it comes, it comes no matter what, it comes inevitably, but it also comes unexpectedly. The days leading up to the birth are difficult, and so will all the things happening before the end. But the truth is that the unexpected nature of that day 
is a tragedy for the unbeliever. It's a tragedy for the one in darkness because they will be lulled to sleep by political or economic conditions and suddenly be rudely awakened. The verdict reigns, they will not escape. And there is no sugarcoating that truth. All who reject what God has offered us in Jesus do not escape. And Paul says, we who believe should not have fear or worry is he saying that we shouldn't care about death, that we shouldn't be afraid of wars and worry what's happening to this planet, to, to the people who live in this place? No, he's not saying that. Death is difficult. Wars and pain and suffering will continue to happen. But Paul says we shouldn't worry, or rather let death and let war be our main focus. Paul speaks that we have a purpose. We who are alive in Christ have a calling. We are to be doing the work we have been given, the work of the living, the work of being peacemakers. Because the truth is there are still some who are lost and need to be found. And he is calling you and I to be the ones who speak to them. There are still some who need to be raised in the faith and the love. And he is calling you and I to raise our children. And he is calling you and I and saying there is still more to do. Paul writes, but you are not in darkness. You are children of the light, children of the day who do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake, sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul simply tells the Cephalonian Christians that they need to be who they are, and so must we. Our lives must be in harmony with everything that the day stands for because God has made us children of the light, children of the day. The time of the night and darkness for us is in the past. Now we must simply live as we have been remade, reborn in Jesus. He tells us, don't be caught off guard. Yeah, you may not know the day, but each one of us is already ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And spiritually speaking, it is now time to be active and to be aware, to be watchful and to be sober. We are not to be marked by sleep, not the sleep of death that Paul was referring to earlier, but the word sleep here is used metaphorically to denote indifference to the spiritual realities that are happening around us. To fall asleep or to be asleep is, is it's, it's moral and spiritual slackness here. It's speaking of insensibility. Paul's saying rather than getting involved, there are those of us who are deciding to feel nothing. To in an effort to protect our own sanity, our own way of life, we are choosing to check out and live according to our senses. 
resigned to saying, well, if we're all going to die, we might as well just live it up anyway. Paul says, don't be asleep like that. Being asleep here speaks of not having a defense. We have been taught the word of God. We have heard it. We have access to it, to read it daily. And yet still we feign ignorance and say, well, I can't be the one speaking up because I I don't know enough. What if someone asks me a question that I don't know and I can't speak up? Because it's, 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 it's aggressive, it's offensive to share what I believe. Being asleep speaks to the time when, <laughs> when what is going to come will not be easy. And we will have to make a stand, awake and sober, to speak for our Lord, to live for our Lord. This being asleep speaks of indifference. Who cares what happens anyway? Ultimately, a person has to decide for themselves. What possible difference could I make? But the word of God calls you to something more. Throughout this entire series, how many times have you been told that you are the light of the world to shine like stars, to put on the full armor of God, that you are a chosen person, a royal priesthood, that you are children of the Most High, that you are a more than a conqueror? Paul is telling us, let us be who we are so that others can know Jesus, so that others can know that they are loved. He talks about a battle talks about watchfulness and says that breastplate of faith and love, that helmet of hope of salvation, the breastplate is covering the vital organs. You don't go into the battle without something covering your chest. And Paul says it is here in your heart where the faith and love of Jesus lives. And you have been equipped, covered, and sent. And that hope of salvation rests on your head. Because this isn't some wishful thinking that we have, but it is the confident expectation that God is with us and calling us and guiding us and placing us in the very places, surrounding us by the very people that he is calling each one of us to love, to support, to bear witness to. And if he himself is guarding your head and your heart, and he says you are ready, then we must be ready like it says in verse 11. Encourage one another. Build each other up. It is not the care of someone else, but it is you and I who have been called to work, to play a part. It is you and I in verse 13 called to live in peace, to stop squabbling and arguing about these earthly things focusing on what divides us and what all the differences are and how we believe differently about how we should do this or that. We must live in peace and do what God's word calls us. Warning those who are idle and disruptive, encouraging the disheartened, helping the weak, and being patient with everything, everyone, like it says in 14. If someone is being idle, lazy, causing friction, then we must have the confidence to encourage them gently, to warn them. If someone is disheartened, then it must be us who speak hope, 
and come alongside. If someone is weak, it is you and I who must support. Because each person at different times will need to be dealt with differently. But the mark of a Christian is love and patience with everyone, even those who are difficult. In 15, it says, make sure that nobody is paying back wrong for wrong, but we are all striving to do what is good for each other, the body, the family, and also those outside of it, so that they too may look and see and join. And if that is what you are supposed to do in your relationships with one another, in your personal worship, your walk, you must rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will. Rejoicing, knowing you are loved, praying because you are never alone, and giving thanks not for every circumstance, but giving thanks in every circumstance, even death and grief and hard times. Because you have been given the promise, the hope. And that is why we celebrate this day, All Saints Day. Because if death was the end, we wouldn't gather. But the hope of every believer who has passed and who sits here today is that God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Having our salvation won for us means we will always be together because the promise of Jesus' unity is not broken. No matter if we live or die, we are with him. And as the band comes up, I'd ask you to join your heart in prayer before we sing. Will you pray with me? Father, your saints dwell in heaven and earth. You have sanctified all people who put their faith in you. From generation to generation, you have kept our ancestors in the faith, and you have welcomed them into your heavenly home. Your house, one day in your courts, is better than thousands elsewhere. So give us what we need, Lord. Equip us so that we may follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. May we shine forth our love for you, keeping the love that we have for those who have passed. We thank and praise you, O oh Lord, for all those, your servants, your saints, who now rest in you. And we, we will follow. We will follow. And we will receive what you have given us. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, for we are grateful. And we love you. In Jesus' name. We pray amen.